and welcome back to the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of March 25th, 2019. This week, we are doing a little something different due to some unforeseen scheduling issues and, well, technical issues. If I do sound different, it is because I'm on my backup mic. Oh, my blue has died suddenly. Anyway, we recorded our thoughts, hopes, wishes, busts, breakouts, draft day over exposures, and guys we wish we had more shares of individually mashed them all up in this episode. And now, entering your ears, your fantasy front office. First up, we have Todd and his picks. What's up, guys? It's Todd um, at Cody Happens, and here are my preseason picks. Uh, the format we're doing are hopes and dreams, <laughs> storylines to watch, breakouts, bust, guys you drafted too much of, guys you wish you had more of, and guys you just overall like for the season. Um, as a time back and Pirate fan, it's going to be a very 500 season. So really my hopes and dreams, I'll keep it simple. I want those teams just be competitive in September, make those games matter. And with those two teams, uh, the two players I really want to see emerge, my big hopes and dreams are, I want Robbie Ray and Jameson Town and become bona fide top 20 starters in fantasy baseball. Jameson Talian's a guy a little more consistent. If he can just stay pretty much what he did in the second half, ERA under three, getting closer around a K per nine per inning, develop the slider, make sure the two seam starts to miss more bats. I think he can kind of raise his upside into the top 20 range where with Robbie Ray, he has all the upside in the world. Back-to-back seasons now, he's had a K per nine, 12 or higher. He's a guy that the sky's the limit with him and he just needs to throw deeper into games. I mean, uh, last night for start, went five innings, struck out, you know, his nine guys, but I mean, the strikeouts, they're going to be there. Here's a guy had 29 strikeouts, I believe in 15 spring training innings. It's just going to come down to, like I said, getting deeper into games, limiting the walks, getting first pitch balls in play. I mean, just the strikeout potential is just massive. And if he can put it all together, he did have an amazing 2017. If he can put it all together, he can probably replicate that again. But now as we move on to storylines to watch, obviously number one has to be Bryce Harper in Philadelphia. Uh, the daily reports, did he get booed or not? Hit a massive, we're recording this on a Saturday. So second game of the year for the Phillies, hit the massive uh, double-decker home run. Uh, that's my top storyline. There's so much pressure on him where Manny Machado, just about zero pressure. I mean, if anything, Fernando Tatis Jr., who that's another really exciting storyline to watch him. Uh, the Padres avoiding the arbitration rules and just let him go out there opening day. Got two hits. He kind of has more pressure than Machado. It's just kind of accepted. He's a Padre. It is what it is. They're not, you know, even like last year, Eric Hosmer, just a disaster season, has that massive contract, didn't do anything. And, you know, it's not really getting ripped. They still kind of love him in San Diego. So Machado doesn't have really, he has expectations, but it's not a lot of pressure. Where I mean, Bryce Harper, if he doesn't perform, if he has a bad year, it's going to get ugly. And <laughs> there's 13 years on that deal. Now, but now we'll move on to some breakouts. And for me, the top guy is Joe Musgrove. I think he becomes a top 40 starter this year. Really good down the stretch. If you take away his last three starts where he had, believe it, hernia, he had a core um, injury. So he's a guy fully healthy, finally. I think he's going to do really well with the Pirates. Um, offensively, I don't really know if he's a breakout, but I think Luke Voigt is going to continue what he did last year. Obviously, probably not at such a high rate. And stat lines down the stretch were incredible, but... I think he becomes their cleanup hitter. Everyday, consistent guy. He's got some... And another guy I'll name is David Dahl. I don't think 
he really breaking any news here. A lot of people like him. He ended up pretty much being a top 100 pick in every league. But I think he's going to put up a massive season. He's finally healthy, kind of like Joe Musgrove. Uh, battled injuries, but I think he is going to be an absolute stud. Really had a solid couple games to start the season. Granted, it is against the Marlins, but uh, Cordes Field, David Dahl, I think he will potentially be a top 50 player this year. Really, really high on David Dahl. And just to name another pitcher, Matt Barnes. He is the closer for the Red Sox and just really good strikeout pitcher. Uh, had a K per nine higher than Craig Kimbrell last year. The Red Sox showing all the faith in the world, just giving him the ninth inning, not really bringing anyone in. I think Matt Barnes is going to be a Dare I say a top five closer this year? I mean, the Red Sox is a great spot to be in. He already got a save this season. I'm really, really high on Matt Barnes. That's a guy who I have in pretty much every league. So moving on to the next category, bust. Um, a guy that I'm low on, I guess, would be Nick Pavetta. I'm just not a believer. I know he's got great stuff. I know the strikeouts are, are there. They really are. But I don't think... The ERA is going to improve much. He's just not fully developed yet as a pitcher. You know, he's got the the big stuff, but I mean, people have Pavetta, you know, as their upside uh, breakout pick of the year. But I just think he's going to be a guy who a little better than a waiver wider pitcher in a standard twelve team league. You're going to love the strikeouts. He's going to kind of hurt you a little bit in ratios. So I'm not as high as everyone else on Nick Pavetta. And just to continue the bust. Just kind of in the range at his ADP, I wasn't so high on D. Gordon. Kind of liked Malik Smith a little better. Uh, depending on your league, Mondesi kind of felt late. Um, for example, in my home league, I got him at 110, just around D. Gordon range. Obviously, in an invitational league and better leagues, he's going to go a lot higher than that or they go a lot higher than that. But D. Gordon was kind of a guy I was fading. And going back to starting pitchers, I am very, very low on Sonny Gray. I don't think he should be owned in fantasy leagues. Uh, him going to the Reds is kind of a disaster, in my opinion. Uh, then all centrals loaded so Sonny Gray that's a guy you know he's not getting drafted that high or anything but I'm very low on Sonny Gray uh he should not be owned by anyone in any league and with that note let's get the negativity out of the way um I call this the Ian Desmond category guys you drafted too much of and for me it's 2018 2019 and I'll give him the 2020 award Ian Desmond every year you know, middle of the draft, you need an outfielder or a first baseman, you see the 2020 season, and I have Ian Desmond in every single league. So we'll see how that, that goes. I mean, 2020 guy, you don't like the averages with him, but he's going to steal bases, has a little pop. I'm just a little worried that this might be the year that if he's not hitting, not getting on base, could lose his spot. I mean, Garrett Hampson's on the team. He can play center. Uh, Dahl and Blackman are going to play every day. So you really just have that spot in center field for Desmond. Now, Murphy did hurt his finger today, so if he gets hurt, that locks in Desmond's role a little better with McMahon and Hampson able to play every day at second or first, but the Rockies have a lot of good young hitters coming up, and if Desmond doesn't produce, he could lose that job, but Ian Desmond, boy, I have all the shares of Ian Desmond. Also, Reynaldo Lopez, he was kind of my late round, last pick kind of guy in a lot of leagues, and didn't look too great against the Royals today, four runs and four innings, but that may be another guy. But, We'll move on to the last category, guys, I wish I had more shares of. And I'll start with Joey Gallo. I mean, just consistent 40 home run year, a guy. Um, got dual position eligibility. That's a guy who I don't have in any league. Justin Turner probably falls under that category, too. Uh, high on base guy. You know, just monster second half. Gets hurt pretty much every year, but when he's in the lineup, just an absolute stud. Um, adding to the list, Robles and uh, Elo Jimenez, both guys that had a okay price tag you know around the 100 adp maybe a little give or take a little depending on the league format um don't have any shares of them so those are two guys i kind of wish i would have gotten more leagues but i will close out with 
guys who I have in almost every league that I haven't mentioned yet um, that I'm really, really high on. And for me personally, uh, Jeff McNeil, he's going to play every day. He's going to eventually have second, third, and outfield eligibility. Really high on Jeff McNeil. I think he's going to have a, a really solid season. Four hits today um, in a game where Strasburg started. So Jeff McNeil is probably the top guy on my list. I do have uh, Tatis in a bunch of leagues. He went way behind Robles and Eloy, and it's going to pay dividends and make an opening day roster. So at last, I'll close with my award for this season. NL MVP, lock it in, Paul Goldschmidt. He's going to do pretty much what he did every year in Arizona, but on a little more of a national stage in St. Louis, he's finally going to get the MVP award. In the American League, new contract, Mike Trout. I'm just going to go with him. If he doesn't get hurt, he's going to win it. And um, hopefully he doesn't for the sake of baseball and just pure entertainment value. For me, the AL Cy Young, Trevor Bauer, like dominant today. He would be my pick. And in the National League, I will go with Jacob DeGrom to win it again. Um, the Mets are good, and he puts up a solid season. And you see the win total almost double with uh, even a low two ERA. I think DeGrom's going to win it. Uh, it looks really good when you have him in center guard and DeGrom is clearly better. So I think that's a little boost when you have a duo and one guy really stands out. Um, moving on, the rookie of the year, really high on Fernando Tatis Jr. I think he'll beat out Robles. It'll be close, one of those two in the National League. And then in the American League, I'm going with Vlad Jr. Um, the hype is real. He's going to have a lot less of bats than Eloy, but I think I think Vlad Mania is going to hit this summer. You know, once he gets healthy, once he gets in the lineup, he's going to be must-see TV, and the hype's going to be insane. And the fancy baseball community, it's going to be like Christmas when he's finally here. So those are my picks. I uh, hope you enjoyed them. Um, if they're wrong, I hope you forget about them at the end of the year. If they're right, I hope you remember them. So there it is. Baseball's back. Let's go. And now we have Phil and his picks for 2019. Hey guys, it's Phil with the Fantasy Front Office. I'm here by myself today, just doing a quick short podcast. Uh, just wanted to talk about a couple of things now that the draft season just ended. So, um, you know, we just finished up doing the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational Draft a while back, and, and now the season's finally started. And I wanted to put it on record that uh, I really am, am hoping that I get in the top five of my league. So that's one thing that I am hoping for this this year. You know, another thing is, is I really hope to, uh, I'm, I'm repeating champion in my uh, home league. So wanted to make the playoffs again this year and hopefully repeat that time. Uh, but, you know, my, my 100% aspirations, if I could be, you know, the best season possible would be to actually win both, uh, win that league and uh, to finish top 20 in the overall in great fantasy baseball invitational. So that would be really, really cool. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, it's going to be a solo pod today, so I might be rambling a little bit here. Um, but I'm going to go over a couple of quick storylines that hit me in spring training. So, um, it looks like Robles, uh, he's going to be hitting ninth. That's not really ideal. It's actually better than hitting eighth though. Uh, at least he's not, uh, got the pitcher behind him, slowing him down so that he can't run and, you know, can't steal bases, which is where a lot of his value is going to come from. So, and, and, you know, I know the season's already started, so he's got a pretty good stroke so far this year at the beginning of the year. So it looks like he might actually, uh, jump out of that nine hole. He looks better than Adam Eaton, in my opinion. So he might jump up to the number one hole at some point soon. Um, another thing I wanted to look into is, you know, follow this closely. Is, is Jose Altuve really fully healthy? Um, is he going to be the same guy as he was? I know I've been, you know, beating the bandwagon that if he is fully healthy, he's a top three, top five player. Um, but, you know, is he really going to be that guy? That's something to watch early on in the year. Um, another guy that has been really polarizing in the draft season, um, was was Modesty. He's, he's I can't pronounce his first name. Sorry, guys. Uh, Aldebato or whatever it is. Uh, Mondesi. Um, he, he's very polarizing because either you love him or you hate him. Because 
either you think he's going to provide better, much better value. It's like George said uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Um, either you think he's going to provide much better value than what uh, the average draft position that he's going at currently or was going at, or you know you think that he's going to be much worse than that. So he's kind of going in the middle somewhere. Um, I'm not a believer of him. I'll be on record saying that uh, I, that you know he has proven what he needs to. Now in a roto league, I definitely see the appeal. You know, home runs and stolen bases are hard to come by in a premium position like that. So um, that's something to look out for early in the year. Uh, Chris Paddock, he actually made the opening day rotation. Um, that was a really cool thing. Um, he's actually pitched once already, which uh, that pit, that uh, changeup that he has is insane. And someone was joking on Twitter. I'm sorry. I would I 100% mention you if I could remember. Um, but they said it uh, looks like he didn't skip AAA after all So because uh, he faced the Giants the first time around. So another thing that I want to look out for is, is Gallo going to finally put up one of those big monster years and hit close to 60 home runs? If he can do something like that, my teams are going to look really good this year. So um, that's going to be kind of part of a breakout. So another guy that I talked about a second ago, you know, Victor Robles. He's got the speed and the power, and that's a really potent lineup. As long as he can get out of that bottom of the lineup and actually have a position to continue to run, I think he's going to provide a really good value this year. And I think next year going into drafts, I think he's going to be a top 40, top 50 player. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, kind of the same thing with Yasel Puig. He's he's a guy that's you know kind of been underrated the last couple of years. He's been pretty consistently a home run and stolen base threat with a decent batting average and you know, he's been going kind of at a discount, even though his, uh, he, he changed lineups, he changed ballparks. Um, I mean, it's a much better situation for him overall. So I think be on the lookout for that, uh, early on, um, he could be an easy breakout candidate and Eloy Jimenez, uh, is my AL, uh, rookie of the year candidate, especially because he got the opening day roster spot. I love the fact that they, uh, White Sox ended up paying him. That was really awesome. Uh, so that's one thing that I really think he's going to have a monster year. He's going to have a better year than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like I said, he's going to be the rookie of the year because he's going to have all the time built up and he doesn't have an oblique injury he's coming back from. So I really, truly believe that. And I think Eloy Jimenez, if you can get him uh, anywhere you can, I would try to do that now. And then is Yelich for real? Like, is this is this like a real thing? Because he just is killing the Cardinals. Um, home run every game. So he had four home runs in the four game series. And, uh, I don't think he's slowing down. He's literally hitting like bombs, uh, since the all-star break a little bit before that last year. And it, it's just really awesome to watch. It kind of sucks that he's, uh, <laughs> hitting against the Cardinals so well. Um, and it kind of sucks that the Cardinals traded for Marcelo Zuna instead of him. But I guess that's, uh, that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Um, you know, the, the other part of this is, you know, I'm going over the breakouts, guys. I'm going to cover a couple of guys that I, I just was looking over the ADPs that I think are not going to be, you know, that good this year. Um, Francisco Lindor, ADP of 14. See you later. No, thanks. Uh, Javier Baez, ADP 16. We said that at the beginning of the year. Earlier in the year, it was like 12, 9, 16. See ya. Wait till you get in the 30s before you start drafting Baez, in my opinion. I could be completely wrong. Um, Lindor, I just don't think he's going to steal anything when he comes back. This was before the ankle injury. I was worried about him. Now he's got the other ankle injury that he's getting second opinion on. It just looked really bad for Lindor this year. So, um, but Baez, I just don't believe that he's going to have a better year or as good of a year as last year ever again. Um, and that's, you know, maybe a little bit of my Cardinals bias, but also maybe a little bit of me just, you know, not believing in his skill set with the way that he plays. So, um, the other guy that really stood out to me, um, and maybe this is just me personally because I just don't value catchers whatsoever. 
uh, JT Real Muto ended up going in the top 45 uh, in ADP in the NFBC. Now it's, you know, to be noted that it's a two catcher leagues. So you do have to, you know, have a little bit of a premium on them, but top 45, there is zero chance that he provides anywhere close to top 45 value. I would probably even go on a limb and say, I'm not sure he would provide top 100 value overall. Um, it's kind of crazy to me. So I don't know. Um, so that's that. Uh, there's been a couple of guys that I, I didn't really overdraft. Um, there's a list of things I'm supposed to go over kind of thing. Um, but I didn't really overdraft anybody this year. Um, guys I wish I would have drafted more of Victor Robles. Uh, he's somebody that, you know, I don't really have too many season long leagues. The great fantasy baseball invitational would have been a really fun place to have him though. I was going a lot of value in that spot. If you've listened to any other previous podcasts though. Another guy is Ronald Acuna. You know, he's a guy that I've loved forever. But, you know, where I was at, where I positioned myself, uh, J.D. Martinez, there was no way I was passing that. So um, maybe I need to get into a couple more just season-long leagues so that I can uh, I can think about this a little bit more. But anyways, that's that. Everything I got. I will see you guys on the flip side. You guys have a good one. And now it's my turn. Let's head to the breakout section. Looking in the bullpen, there are two arms I really want to own this year, Diego Castillo and Reyes Moranta. Both are back-end bullpen arms with nasty stuff. Both could take over the closer spot as next-in-line arms here soon, Moranta more so than Castillo, as Castillo has another young, nasty arm to contend with in the lefty Jose Alvarado. Um, another breakout is Chris the Sheriff Paddock. I mean, is it really a breakout if everyone is talking about him? Projection systems love him. Post Tommy John with reworked mechanics and grips, he seems to be a rookie to be reckoned with, possessing the talent to be a monster on the mound as long as he is on the mound. Will he have some struggles? Yeah, but it wouldn't be MLB baseball if he didn't but I would look to lock him in if you can. I haven't heard of any innings restrictions they're looking to put on him, so, you know, if he's out there and producing, ride that horse. Uh, next breakout, Yandy Diaz. Yeah, see a theme developing? The Rays went young with high upside. This is one of them. Diaz, he's rocking a power stroke already, but in a very Yandy style. Uh, March 29th, he went against Garrett Cole, took a 96 mile an hour fastball to dead center, 112 miles an hour off the bat with a 17 degree launch angle. The ball barely crossed 50 feet off the ground. Everyday played appearances plus Yandy is lots to love. High batting average and potentially raising that average launch angle even slightly say five degrees would result in more home runs more extra base hits for him with that strength he possesses ah matt chapman if you don't own him find some way to do so he may crest 30 home runs this season and not look back for probably another decade or more well barring injury of course oh boy the bust can i just say closers in general outside of the top five or six all could blow up in our faces. Um, as for most of the youth that have been called up, they seem pretty safe to play all year due to extension season, but you remember Kingery last year? Uh, he's still relegated to a mediocre playing time role as the super utility guy, so be careful when owning too many of the top prospect youth that aren't named Vlad, Eloy, Tatis. Oh man, as a D-back fan, Zach Granke. Velo has dipped over a mile an hour each year since 2016, there's definitely some worry here, but at the same time, he has a track record of being that wily vet who kind of does the whole Greg Maddox approach, using more 
movement and deception instead of velo. Did you know there's only a two to three mile an hour difference between his fastball and changeup, so movement is key. If the changeup isn't moving, it's gonna be a bad day. Just look at opening day against the Dodgers. Well, guys I drafted too much of. Those that I have overexposed my fantasy teams to, pitching-wise. Luis Castillo, Nick Pavetta, Blake Trinan, Jack Flaherty, Mike Clevenger, and Robbie Ray. Well, three of the six seem to be locks to perform at or above their trend line the last few years. That'd be Clev, Trinan, and I'm marking Castillo in here, while the other three are high upside plays. Flaherty potentially repeating his breakout year, Pavetta, who's now pumping 98-99 miles an hour, and Robbie Ray returning to form. Yeah, this could either go really well or kind of be mediocre. Hitters. Domingo, Domingo, Domingo. Everyday at bats is intoxicatingly attractive. Maybe some rose-colored glasses here, but it seems that Seattle offense is going to be a force even after losing everyone they did this offseason due to Whelan and Dillon Jerry. But Domingo had a 30 and 15 season already in 2017. In all honesty, you're probably looking at a high end of 25 and maybe 15 again in Seattle for Domingo. And at that point, he's still worth owning. That double digit home run and steal, you're looking around 40 homer plus stolen bases. It's definitely going to put him on the map for a lot of people. All right, next guy that I'm overexposed to. This is kind of a fan favorite and a joke within the FFO chat. But Isaiah Kiner Falifa, IKF, he could go down under breakouts as well, but holy cow, does he have eligibility all over the place? Catcher, second, third, middle, corner, utility. I love him just for the flexibility aspect. He's sharing 50 50 the catching duties with Jeff Mathis, but his ability to play all over and produce at a consistent rate should have him looking at around 550 plate appearances this year, possibly the main catcher next year, unless they sign someone else to share duties with him and Mathis. Plus, even in a one-catcher league, what better insurance do you want to have at catcher is a guy that's going to play every day over whatever scrub is left on the waiver wire. Ah, guys, I wish that I'd draft more of or had more shares of. Brad Keller and Trevor Williams. Both guys look to be innings eaters, mediocre K rates, but... They are some late round ratio cushions worth at least stashing, if not running out there every fifth day. Keller is the de facto ace in KC, the former D-back prospect grabbed by the Royals in a Rule 5 draft and wound up having a great rookie season last year. Hunjin Ryu. Man, missed out on him, waiting an extra round in a few drafts. Last two years, he's been nearly an unstoppable force on the mound when he's healthy. Isn't that the caveat for every Dodger starter? Hill, Ryu, Maeda, Stripling, Bueller, Kershaw. I mean, 120 or more innings from Ryu is better than most fourth and fifth starters. Heck, even most teams' third starters. Ah, I really just missed out waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping he'd fallen, but he did not. Uh, another guy that I really missed out on, Ryan Braun, going in like the 200s in most drafts. Uh, just take a peek at his September numbers. Do you see anything different? Launch angle increase. Petriello of the StatCast podcast, of course, this offseason documented it, and it is well worth buying into if he plans on sticking to it, because those September numbers were ridiculous. All right, well, that will wrap up this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed our little solo pods mini episodes that we crammed together here but be on the watch for our next episode really soon 